Welcome. You have reached the Plugged In Podcast. Plugged In is a podcast that respects freedom of speech and aims to have nuanced conversations about a range of topics with the goal of informing the public and de-radicalizing the socio-political landscape. As always, the ideas expressed on this podcast are the views of the host or guests and should not be attributed to employers or podcast advertisers. Enjoy. This episode of Plugged In was recorded live on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plugged in podcast RK. Again, I repeat, facebook.com forward slash plugged in podcast RK. Hi, this is Raymond King, your host of the Plugged In Podcast. On today's episode, we primarily discuss the life of a teacher. We delve into a wide array of topics such as expectations versus reality, parental engagement issues, structural issues in the institution, as well as how coronavirus has affected the teachers and students. There are lots of points in the discussion that staggered me, and I encourage everyone to listen through to the end. I think most Americans believe they understand the life of a teacher because at one point we were all students, but fail to realize how societal changes impact this profession. Teachers spend seven hours a day investing in our kids' success, and there's lots of advice for things we, the parents, or informed electorate can do to aid their journey. I want to address head-on that there are some points where we have audio issues with Zoom. However, please do not let this be a deterrent from the information you could gain from this episode. It is my hope that parents in the community can internalize some of the challenges teachers face and become allies to the cause. Specifically, when it comes to coronavirus and distance learning, teachers will need parents more now than ever. Without further ado, here is episode two. What up, everybody? We appreciate y'all tuning in, man. We want to do something special right here. I wanted to have a conversation around teaching, uh, teaching in the black community, teaching in general, um, and just some of the some of the uh, institution and ways we can do things better, uh, things that we can improve through the kids, through the parents, through the structure itself. Um, and I also want to talk about coronavirus specifically and how that affects teachers, uh, how that affects the kids and ways we can navigate this um, in the most successful way. So without further ado, I want to introduce two people I love. Uh, some of my fellow Georgia Southern alumni. So, uh, I'll let Sierra, I'll let you uh, introduce yourself first. Uh, yeah. Uh, hello, my name is Sierra Cahill. I am a high school science teacher. I am about to start my eighth year, eighth year in the year in the field of education. I have taught biology, environmental science, marine science, uh, IB biology in human anatomy. Um, I have worked on several different curriculum writing teams. I have been a science specialist in which I was a teacher teacher and I was coaching um, various people to help get their numbers right as far as the state testing is concerned. Um, I have worked in both Jacksonville, Florida and I'm not currently um, in Covington, Georgia. And um, education is what I do. Like I really love it. Um, jumping out but I think I might be locked in and I'm all about helping our kids and help making sure that their future is right and making sure that they're going to do the right thing perfect perfect we appreciate it so Stephen Smith if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself just a little bit 
Um, I'm Steve Smith, obviously, as he stated a couple times, and then all the promos. Uh, I am a high school math teacher. Uh, I teach 9 through 12. I'll be starting my ninth year teaching. Um, I was formerly in Bullitt County, and now currently I'm in Savannah Chatham County Public School System. Um, I've been coaching. Coaching kind of fell me into um, teaching. I know that's kind of backwards. Usually people teach and then they start to coach, but I started coaching first, and then I fell into teaching just because of my love for math and just working with kids. Um, I used to work in a program called Summer Bridge over the summertime. Um, I was a coach uh, for Summer Bridge for a year, and now um, I am the... I primarily work with ninth graders, but I tutor and... Okay, cool. So, um... Uh, let's just jump right into it. So first, I wanna, um, I wanna go through, you know, some of the things that you guys are liking. Some of the things that when you started teaching, you didn't expect, and it's a pleasant experience. Um, I have incredible love for all of my teachers through high school, and all of them always told me that it was, you know, very fulfilling, and there were things that they didn't expect. So, um, see, I don't know if you want to kick it off, but uh, I would. Just just talk through some of the things that you love about teaching and some of the things that drives you every day and that, some of the things that you didn't expect at first. Uh, I can say me personally, uh, kind of like Steve, but I got in from coaching first. I started coaching track and that led me into my uh, teaching position. I honestly didn't expect to have the bond that I have with my students. Like, um, it's really the kids that have me locked in that keep me going. Every um, I have met some amazing students, um, they still reach out to me. I'm being invited to uh, be, students being sworn into the military, I'm getting invited to baby showers, weddings. Like, they still reach out and, like, hey, Miss Ball, hey, Miss Calhoun, like, I did this and I did that, and like, it lets me know that I had such a great impact on them that they still want me to be involved with their life and they're still coming to me for things um i've been writing um recommendation letters for people jobs for my sorority for um just asking me for career advice all those different things so like i'm glad that they i was able to meet them and they see me as somebody that they can trust who's going to lead them in the right direction and i was not expecting to really fall in love with these kids. Like, I was not expecting to feel like when I say that they're my kids, like, I want to love and protect them. Like, I birthed them myself. And I was not expecting that at all. Like, my husband used to be like, I know you ain't on the phone with such and such. I was like, I got to get her through this crisis. And like, you don't expect for your students to become a part of your family, but they have. And I'm just so grateful for my 170 plus babies that I get to hang with for 180 days a year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I would say even as just on the student side, um, I, like I said, I had a good relationship with most of my teachers coming up through school. And it's amazing to me that I still talk to a lot of them. I still have communications. A lot of them are still involved with my life and, you know, I still bounce advice off. So it go, going through it as a student, I didn't expect that, you know, 20 years later, I still be in constant communication with some of them. Some of them are always on my Facebook statuses and we have lots of conversation, lots of agreements, lots of disagreements. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Steve, you want to go through some of the things that you're liking and you didn't expect at first? 
Um, well, because of the culture, I really didn't know what to expect. But pretty much uh, what Sierra said, when you're working with kids, you never really expect, especially when we started, like she's going into her um, eight-year mother for my ninth year. So we were fairly young and kind of related. I mean, we, we could relate to the kids. So you kind of think of it more as, I hope they respect me. I hope that, you know, that they understand what's going on. But one thing I started realizing was I had young teachers too. And for whatever reason, whenever you're in high school um, and you get a teacher that's fairly young, you don't realize that that teacher is as young. You just look at them as an authority figure. And being able to, um, you know, not abusing that role and just making sure that you understand where they're coming from when they're going through their issues and just making sure that you talk with them and making better choices that maybe you made. Like, you, you've done good stuff in your life, but still, like, you know you could have done stuff better and just kind of guiding them without criticizing them. Um, it's been real, like, they, like we, you know, a lot of teachers say it, but it is fulfilling, you know, when people graduate and they reach back to you and say, make sure you have my college graduation or make sure uh, I just got hired for this job. I got a, um, one of my former track athletes, she just um, – finished the academy. She told me when she was in high school she wanted to be in the FBI. She just finished that. Cool. Yeah, you cut out a little bit, but we heard we heard almost everything at the beginning. The last couple of sentences we didn't hear. Okay, yeah. So we can move on. So um um as you guys are teaching, like you said, you're forming relationships with uh the children at school. What's something that you feel if kids on a broader scale, and this is black community, white community, it can be specifically black community, but um, what, what are some of the things that you're seeing that kids are, are not doing enough of today or something that um, they aren't doing at all and you would wanna, you would wanna start a campaign for them doing those type of actions more? Well, I'll, I'll um, start this one off. Um, one guy uh, out at a football camp and a guy asked the kid, how long do you spend in high school, right? And, you know, most kids just say, oh, we spent four years in high school, but he broke it down. You got 180 days for two uh, for four years. So basically you got 360 days times two, but it's really two years, like, that you spend in school. And that's not a lot of time. And I think that the kids don't really um, realize that the time really goes by fast. I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us can remember when we were in high school. I kind of remember what my first outfit was my ninth grade year. So the time really does fly. And I think a lot of kids don't prepare for their future early on, early enough. Um, I think they always think, I got time, I got time. Um, and one of the things we like to focus on, especially with my um, the program, my football program right now, is making sure that it's never too early to start looking at colleges. It's never too early to make sure that your GPA is intact. It's never too early to um, take the PSAT and practice ACT to make sure that you know that you're prepared when you're when you're about to take because the better your test scores are the better GPA is, the less money that you'll have to spend on college. And so we really try to build that foundation. I don't think a lot of people um, really focus on the foundation of their education when they get to high school enough because they always think they got more time. 
Yeah, when when Absolutely. when you talk specifically about the SAT and the PSAT, that's something I have a a a, a lot of a will to increase the amount of times that we take the test. So, me myself, I took the test only three times in high school, and and I didn't even know I could have took it again, and I could have been like star student and got a scholarship. So, h how much do you guys hear taking the SAT multiple times and, and things like that? How much is that? preach to the kids throughout the system and the structure is that I know from so having been in two different systems um I can definitely see the difference I do feel like we are not pushing that enough sooner um I feel like that needs to be a conversation that needs to be had the, the second they roll into school that you need to start talking to them about that you need to start with the PSAT and taking all these practices and using like freshman orientation or like a transition class to talk about those things so that way they know. Um, like you said, it's really technically only two years that you have in school. And a lot of them are actually waiting until like their junior or senior year to try to figure out what it is that they want to do for the rest of their life. And if you messed up your GPA in ninth and 10th grade, you're literally struggling just to graduate at that point. We're not even talking about your future about are you going to have the bare minimum just to be able to get this high school diploma? And so I feel like from day one, ninth grade, you need to set that path and this is what I'm trying to accomplish in four years. How can I help you get there? I wish that like as a whole, all freshmen were required to take some type of elective course that where you could sit there. These are the credits you need to graduate. If you're going to college, this is what you need to do. If you're entering into the workforce, this is what you need to do. If you're going into the military, here's what you need to do. And we need to start steering those kids down those pathways because the number of like my seniors used to tell me, oh, I'm going to Georgia State or I'm going to um, Georgia Tech or I'm going to UGA. And I'm like, what's your GPA? Have you taken ACT? Have you taken SAT? Have you filled out your FAFSA? And this is February of the year. Sweetie, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be rude, but you have not done anything that is going to let you get in. You haven't done any early admission things. You haven't written any essays. You haven't taken any tests. And it's like, sometimes I feel bad as if I'm the Debbie Downer. But once I start telling them all the requirements and all the deadlines and things that they have been missing, I can see how discouraged and how crestfallen they look. And the first thing they say is, I didn't know. Why didn't anybody tell me? So I feel like, as a, a whole education needs to start putting these things into place because when you're 14 years old, you're not thinking about what you have to do at 18. And we need to start encouraging them, basically telling them that, you know, by the time you're done here, we're sending you off into the real world and you're supposed to be able to quote unquote, take care of yourself and make decisions for the rest of your life. Like this is the, this is it of mandatory schooling that we have. And I just don't think we're doing enough of that. You, you're seeing it in pockets, but it really needs to be reinforced. And and to piggyback on that, I think um, what you were talking about about taking um, ATT and SAT multiple times. Um, part of the problem is um, a lot of people don't really focus on taking the SAT or the ACT until like their second semester of their junior year. And if we gotta we gotta get on that earlier, we gotta make it. We gotta normalize taking those standard tests going into your junior year, because you can take it going into your junior year. Mm -hmm. we got to normalize that. And I don't think it's normalized taking it more than one time. Like, a lot of people just want to get a test score. So, because me, for instance, I took it once. Me too. Um, 
you know, I had a I had a pretty good score. I imagine if I would have took it two more times. You know, I I could have probably got to like more money or some more free money. Um, but I didn't. You know, I took it once. Um, I had a, I had a pretty decent decent GPA, and I'm not gonna lie, I was blessed. Like I, I'm 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 one of the outliers. I had a um, I applied to two schools. I got into both of them. <laughs> so I went because <laughs> that's the only two schools I thought about going to. And then I, I applied for, um, and when I transferred, I got immediately into that school when I transferred to Georgia Southern. So I, I'm, I'm one of the ones that knows rarity. And when hey, Steve, it's starting to break up just a little bit. To not being where I am right now, and I think that pushing kids to be better than you were so they can avoid certain trials and tribulations that you had to endure. Um, I think that's one of the things that we, that we should focus on, which is that early PSA um, and SAT testing. Yeah. I see some, some people talking about SAT and ACT in the comments. And one of the things that I, I hear about a lot, and I wanted to get, get y'all opinion on this a little bit too, um, from the comments. Um, some people say that the SAT and the ACT are pretty biased. I was actually in a in a long uh, Facebook conversation with a few teachers about this the other day. So have y'all heard anything about that? Or are y'all aware of how how they create the test for the question in the committee? And are they taking enough community from urban or whichever word we want to use that they use for black uh uh, how do y'all feel about those standardized tests overall, or the end of course te- end of course tests that we have in AP classes? So, well, oh, I feel like a lot of these tests can be culturally biased, and that a lot of the examples that they're using and the context clues that they're using, um, if you don't grow up in that atmosphere, you will be unfamiliar with it, and so. It's not that the kids are incapable, it's that they're ignorant to certain things and you're testing them everybody's on the same level. Like, um, I know I was reading over some practice problems in my daughter's workbooks and it was talking about golfing. My daughter has no idea anything. Like, we don't golf. That's not what we do. And so I was just thinking, like, this is an example of, like, a cultural thing that she's not going to be familiar with. And it's not that she's incapable of doing the work. She doesn't understand the reference. And you see a lot of that in our EOC testing. You see a lot of that um, on the ACT and the SAT. Um, I know for me personally, my scores were pretty even for both. But I also know that I didn't go to a traditional urban school. I went to... Um, predominantly white schools for K through 12. So I think because I went to a different educational setting, um, I was exposed to different things, but I also know that I received a different type of education than like even other members of my family. And we're all the result of the same system. And I have a problem with that. Um, I feel as if, if all of us have this county seal on our diplomas that we all should be receiving the same thing and there's not enough equity across education and that's a problem. And and, and here's what just the realistic part of it. The the conversation about uh just standardized like the weight that standardized sets your whole, I feel like that is a, a, an entirely different conversation. Um uh, 
You're killing me, man. I want to hear what you got to say, bro. I really want to hear what he has to say. Because <laughs> we didn't talk about some of this before, so I really want to I really want the world to hear what he has to say, too. Um, the same test that I took when I was in high school, right? So, to me, certain standardized tests is just to see if you if you are able to retain a certain amount of information in high school, just a bare minimum. Um, and the course tests, um, they're, they're pretty much the same to me. Now, I look at the GMAS uh, for Georgia, uh, for the, or the end of course test, for the kids who I got to give to now. What I don't like is I kind of got to teach to a test. Yes. And the, the problem with the test is it's, it's more about comprehension than it is about the material. So I'm teaching math, but I got, and I got kids that are good. Pythagorean theorem, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. They're good. They can do it. If I tell you, Hey, look right here, you're going to use the Pythagorean theorem. No problem. They can go do it right here. You got to multiply divide. This is what you're going to do. No problem. But the issue that I have as a math teacher, and this is only for like, I'm talking about personal is that I got kids that are on a fifth grade reading level, on a sixth grade reading level, in the ninth grade, right? So the problem that you'll have with these standardized tests is that it's not. I really want to hear this. I know. <laughs> okay. All right. And we, we can we can talk about some of the stuff that you were talking about, and then you can jump back in. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I want to so, piggyback. Yeah, oh, go ahead. I just want to piggyback just off what he was saying. Like, because to teach to the test, there's so much stuff that I do not have time to do because according to the curriculum maps for the pacing guide, I only have so long to teach certain information before I'm supposed to move on. And then it's like we have these like checkpoint tests that says that you ha- should have covered this much material by this time. So it's like, even if there's a yep. lot or a certain thing that I would like to do with my kids, I don't have enough time to get it done. Um, there are so many basic laboratory techniques that I don't have enough time to do with my kids. And it is so frustrating to me because I, I feel like I am doing them a disservice. I fell in love with science because of my ninth grade biology teacher, Tim Simmons, and she changed my whole life. And from up until that point, I was going to be an English major. And then the second I took her class, I was like, biology, here it is. This is what I'm going to do. And that's what my degree is in. And I don't get to do the microscope labs. We don't get to look at the um, organisms under the pump water. Yeah. We don't get to do the osmosis and diffusion labs. We don't get to do a lot of the simulations yeah. that would help them grasp the concepts better because I'm forced to teach to this test. And the test is so rigorous and so structured. And I feel as if those labs are going to reinforce the material that's needed. We don't even have enough time to really teach the kids how to do formal lab reports. And that's not going to do anything but increase a student's reading comprehension. I'm working on your writing. I'm working on your reading. You have to analyze the data that you have, which is just going to increase their math scores. And because science is the bridge between um, math and English, and we're forced to move at the pace that we are, we can't help them like 
we can't help them in the way that we want to. Like if you were to take away testing from science, I guarantee you this uh, English and the math scores will increase because we're the bridge between the two. And like, there's not a doubt in my mind. I can get you, I can work on your writing. I can help you pull out these main ideas. I can help you look at this data. I can help you put all of that together. But again, because of testing, we are stuck. I can't lie. COVID has testing currently suspended. I am very excited about that. I'm I'm excited because I'm like, okay, hey, if you force me back into the classroom during this time, I'm doing all labs. I'm doing everything that I don't get to do under a normal school year because I'm forced to teach to this test. And I'm actually really looking forward to that aspect of it. I'm still scared to death. But if you're going to kill me, I might as well go back in there and do what I want to do. I mean, that that's how I'm looking at it anyway. Yeah. But I mean, I got the same sentiments um, as far as um, the, the testing. Um, but at a, I think the major problem is the comprehension, and that's and I think that's where the bias is. Um, not taking in the comprehension levels across the board um, to see what the student knows how to do. Uh, they got a real roundabout way of asking questions um, just to see if. And to me. For me, that that's not the math, right? Um, I've I've taken college courses. My my tests online, they're not trick questions. They give you a situation and say, find this. They want to make sure that you understand how to apply the whatever trick function or whatever it may be. They want to make sure you know how to apply that. But they're not going, okay, Johnny jump rope for forty eight minutes this that and the third just to ask me how long was the rope you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> yes They're gonna ask me hey the rope goes from here to here and the angle is from here to here how long is the rope and you know and i and i feel like that's part of the issue got you one of the one of the things that i heard you touch on a little bit was i think both of y'all is sometimes it seems like students aren't ready with reading comprehension so one of the questions that i always have is so when i was in school i know that I went to a public school. It was it was completely black. But um, one of the problems that I feel that we had is there were a few of us who were advanced and we were taking some of like challenge classes and things like that. And I feel like it was kind of unfair to some of our classmates that they were in the same class with us because sometimes the teacher would teach specifically to us and, and they would somewhat get left behind or, or vice versa. Sometimes the teacher would have to go slower to make sure everyone in the class was, was taking in the same information. So how do y'all feel about class sizes or, or, or things like that in, in the public school? Do y'all feel like that's a problem or has, has a lot of that's been alleviated or how do y'all, how do y'all feel about it? Uh, I mean, class size, Class sizes are an issue, obviously, right? I mean, all right, 26. Look, if I get 26, 27, I'm happy. I'm happy. Like, I am. Yeah, like, that's a great what? class. I can do something with that. What? Uh, 26? That's a small class. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes. Uh-huh. I'm not playing either. I'm not playing for real. Like, yes. I get like 32, 31, 30. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's on average. Like, yeah. I get a 26, 25. Black, like one um, last year, I think it was. I had a class of twenty four, and it, it's just it's just so it's just so much easier. If you give me a class full of six, if you give me a, a class size of sixteen, oh my god, what? 
everybody gonna pass whatever test they put in front of us. I don't give a shit what it is. I mean, yeah. that's gonna happen because, you know, I'm used to, you know, teaching like that, but to answer your question, what you're talking about, the, what you're talking about is inclusion classes. Yes. Uh, which is what I, I primarily focus on is the inclusion classes that I, um, uh, special ed pair pros and coaches. Well, maybe you want to jump in. So 26 kids. Another is a, teacher in the class. No, he's back. So, Sierra, you want to give you up. So 26 kids is a common class? That's a my, my third year teaching. Um, my third year teaching, I was teaching ninth grade environmental science. My sixth period class for the first three weeks of school had 42 kids in there. It was so bad. I had kids sitting on top of my lab stations because I didn't have enough chairs. And then I, the basketball coach was across the hall from me. He used to run chairs over that period and then come back and get them the next class. Um, and that was until they balanced out the classes. So um, I think I ended up that year with 31 in that class. And they were all over the place as far as reading levels. Um, so as far as my teaching style, I teach everybody up here. And even if you are down here, I'm going to sit in small group where I need you to be. Um, I don't want, I don't, I feel like oftentimes, like sometimes the kids, and for lack of a better term, the kids will say, they talk to me like I'm dumb. They treat me like I'm dumb. They treat me like I can't do. So I talk to everybody up here. And then one-on-one or in small groups, I know that you're not getting it. And then I'm going to get you to where you need to be. Um, Up here in Georgia, um, we don't do co-teachers in my old county where I was from. So the fact that they were telling me that I was getting another person in my room to help me, I was like, where were you (laughs) five years ago? Like, I've been struggling because, like, I think about some of the different classes that I've been just having a pair pro wasn't enough. Um, I can think back to one specific class. I had one class where I had seven kids with IEPs, a deaf student, a blind student, and a kid who spoke no English all in one class. Wow. That year was the devil. We're not going to talk about that year. That's, that's, we're going to wipe that whole year from memory. But like you put all of these kids with me in one class and I didn't have a parapro. I didn't have a co-teacher. I have to accommodate all these different levels, all these different behaviors. I have you clicking away on your brailler. I have your interpreter in the corner signing. Everybody's distracted because they don't know who to pay attention to. It's too much. And I understand why they went back to inclusion because it was definitely segregated within the school between um, the special education kids in the regular ed kids, but I also understood the separation. With the co-teachers, I feel like as long as they are working together, as long as they are working together and doing what's best for the kids and making sure that uh, as far as the students IEP, they're getting the necessary modifications that they need, um, they're getting extended times for tests, all of that. Like, if my kid says, I'm not done yet, we're not going to move on until everybody is ready to move on. But for my high flyers in the room, I've given them an extension activity. Like I've been in the game long enough that I now have um, extra little hands-on manipulatives. I have extra little things for them to do so I can send you to the next task while I sit over here and catch everybody else up. And one thing that I can say is that like, I had, and this is really bad. I had a kid who, 
literally was failing everything on his report card, but had an A in my class. And his mom came in and was like, what are you doing that my kid is, you know what I'm saying, paying attention? And I was like, I listen to your son. I know that he likes to watch Attack on Titan. I know that he likes to play video games. I know that he's very interested in football. And so I'm pouring into his personality. I'm talking to him about this. So when it's time for me to do my work, he's going to sit down and he's going to give me what I need. If everybody else just tells him to sit down, be quiet and get it done, and you're not giving them that back and forth, you're not going to get that out of that student. And I feel like my personality is what allows me to be able to have the relationship that I have with my kids. And it gives me the biggest buy-ins. Like when testing time comes, I'm buying snacks. We doing review games. We doing special handshakes, hugs, fist bumps, all that stuff in the hallway. Like my kids, my kids love me and I love my kids. And I think that's one of the reasons why when we went out for COVID, many kids stopped working. Like there were several teachers who were saying, I can't get my kids to log on. They're not paying attention. They're not doing that. But I think that I had built such a relationship with them that they were excited to come and see what was it that we were doing. We spent one day on Zoom watching the Lord. That was our class for the day. And then we talked about the human impact of it. And I feel like enough teachers aren't pouring into their kids and finding out what they like and what they want to do to get that relationship back. Because the second they realize that you love them and you care about them, they like putty in your hands. They're going to do whatever it is that you ask of them. And I feel like we need more of that from other educators and you'll start to see the difference because the kids know the teachers who care and they know the the teachers who don't. And that is very, very evident. Yeah, that's one thing. People always say kids are super impressionable. So taking advantage of that to get them to act right in class and do their work, that's that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, and that's, how how are kids doing socially? So one thing with my class, and I'm still close with a, with a lot of my classmates, if, if we saw a, stu- a student falling behind, we might, like we don't, it, it's not like we went out of our way to help people. It was just a part of who we are. So if we saw someone struggling, it wasn't in a it wasn't in like a condescending way, but we would work with people to make sure they understood stuff like there were classes where we kind of sort of were like in class tutors somewhat. Um, And that sounds really formal, but it wasn't really formal in the way that it played out. But is that still happening today? Is that still there? That collaboration between kids and. I don't. I don't think it as it was when we were in school. Um, Absolutely. Right now, it's everything is such instant and instant gratification that the kids aren't gonna. They're not helping their their classmates to uh, to be better students, but they're just giving them the answers. Yes, it's more of a. Um, I feel like these kids are the instant gratification kids. Um, they, because they have those cell phones as a crutch, it is very, very hard for them to want to work for the answer. Um, and then even when they ask their friends for help, it's more of a here, copy my paper, not here. Let me help you work the answer. And I'm not really sure when that shift happened because I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Like I used to copy my friends homework and stuff like when I was in school, cause I would just forget to do it. Like because of all the extracurricular activities I was in, but I knew enough information that if I copied the problem, I'd be like, hey, bro, number eight, wrong. 
and they can't do that. Everybody gonna have this. Every if, if you got number eight wrong and the whole class copy off of your paper, the whole class got number eight wrong. And I'm like, y'all ain't even smart enough to cheat. And- <laughs> like what are we doing bro but like the cell phones have made it so complicated as far as getting them to try just for the simple fact that google is right there it's all and it's always like right here in your hands like i had a student literally argue me down telling me that she did not catch that she did not cheat and get the answer off of google right I said, so you didn't get, so you telling me, you swear. You, that's all Google. She was like, no, I didn't. I said, on your paper. She couldn't do it. The word was oxidative phosphorylation. Baby, I know I ain't teach you that. I know for, I struggle with saying that. So I know I didn't teach you that. And it's just like, you don't have to lie to me. Like, and I got so upset with her about it because I was, all you had to do was slip back. And the answer that you needed was on the page in front of, like, I give my kids unit packets. I was like, baby, the answer that you needed was on the page before. All you had to do was flip back. But instead of them flipping back and reading, they're just going to go to Google answering and see where they can get it. And because of that, um, I do not believe that these kids are incapable. It's lack of effort that is the problem. And that is something that I want parents to help with. Um, I wish that more parents, I wish that more parents would um, step in and I wouldn't want to say restrict access, but like. You want to say take the phone away? Oh, take, yes. Okay. I'm so sick of them being on the phone all the time. Like you have no idea how frustrating it is to be teaching your heart out and you turn around in this 27 faces. Wow. Or, or or they or they hiding it and they looking in their lap. So, so right, look in their lap. Come on, we know you're on the phone. You might well put it on your desk. Our kids are like, is it school policy? So when I when I was coming up, if you had a phone in some of the classes, we had teachers. And, and school has changed a lot because you can't really punish students in some ways. Not you should, about they get away with murder, stuff but that's like that story. But our teachers would literally take our phone because it was school policy that forced. It was kind of the school policy forcing the teachers. So I, I guess we kind of were in the sweet spot where we were right before, you know, the mm-hmm. technology mm-hmm. boom. So the social media and yeah, all that. We, we couldn't have TI calculators. We couldn't have phones. We couldn't have a bunch of stuff. So ha- has that changed a little bit? And it's just well, like. Uh, the, the, here's the thing. It's not just teachers and principals. It's like all the way at the top that whoever at the top is understanding that, hey, look, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to take these phones away from these kids no more. And it's right. not because it's the kids, it's because the parents. Because the parents are making whatever excuse they got to make. My my child need their phone after yep. school, or yep. I take my child to make sure that they know what's going on at mm-hmm. home while they're at school. Because you you'd be surprised at how many kids are talking to their parents in the middle of. They do. The they will FaceTime their mom in the middle of class. Yeah, and they, and they'll tell you, "Oh, I'm talking to my mom. My do you want to talk to her?" Like, be like I, yeah. I do want to talk I to her think, because yeah. I want to tell her that you should be learning right now. But at the same time, like, I don't want to talk to her because I'm in the middle of teaching. So, like, so what's happening is we're finding a way to embrace the technology. So I do a lot of stuff like it's this little thing called Kahoot. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's here. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Right. I love so it. you know why do I like Kahoot? Because it puts the phone in their hand. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? They can't 
they can't search on yes. their phone if they got to use their phone for right. something. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I do stuff like that. Um, I do Pear Deck um, PowerPoints um, where they got to answer questions on on their phone. But it's like basically part of the lesson. And so I, I used to be like, man, I can't. My rule in my classroom is if I'm up teaching, your phone should be away. Now, do, now do they now do they always follow my rule? No, no, they don't. Right, but I like to think that they understand. Okay, look, when I'm done teaching, you got work. I'm okay with you being on your phone, listening to music, whatever. As long as you turn in your work, right? When your work start stops getting turned in, then we have an issue. But I understand, like these kids, their hand is their phone. Yes. Like they're so attached to their phone, it's it's mind boggling. It's, it's like a drug. Like they mm-hmm. they're going to withdraw if they don't have their phone. Like if I ask a kid if they want to go to the bathroom, I say, okay, let me get your phone. Get your phone. <laughs> they're like, nah, man, nah, let me keep my phone. Like, what? Like you gonna piss yourself? Because I'm gonna hold your phone for two mm-hmm. minutes. And like they're really like that. Or yeah. during a test, like I got kids that are risk getting a zero. To send a yes. to send an Instagram, to send a text message, because wow. I'm giving out zeros if I see your phone during a test. Like that's just what it's gonna be. But I got kids that are willing to. They're not even cheating. They're not even cheating. They just rather, they just gonna risk it wow. because they want to send that text message. They want to send whatever, and it's like I I fear I'm fearful for their future because of that. Like, not even just in my classroom. Like, I'm really nervous about their future because of the way they're addicted to their phone. And the lack of production in the future is um, nerve-wracking. I mean, I do agree. You try to do your best to integrate technology as best as you can. So um, our school has a no headphone rules. And they always want to listen to music when they do their work. So our compromise is when we're doing group work or independent work, I play the music. I'm DJ Calhoun on the ones and twos. And like sometimes I take requests, but sometimes I just be in the mood and I'm gonna play what I want to listen to. And I ain't taking a request today. <laughs> have found that even when it's time for me to get their attention, or um, I don't have to worry about any like any emergencies happen, the fire alarm goes off, or somebody comes in on the PA system. You don't have those headphones in, so you can still take direction because you you know what I'm saying. Like I'm playing the music and I'm controlling everything, and it also again helps with that bonding with the kids because they'll be like, "Oh, Macau, what you know about that?" Or play this. I mean, I don't play a couple of my students off of mixtapes in class as long as it was no cussing, just to get that bond. But you would be surprised um, how much like that means to them. But like he said, I do Kahoot, I do Quiz Is. Um, I'm currently working with um, creating a online notebook because we have no idea if we're gonna be virtual or face to face when we go back. I'm trying to create so much stuff that since you always on that phone, I'm gonna meet you on your phone. I have a class Instagram page. Um, my students who score high on any tests or exams, I'm taking pictures of them, shouting them out. They be like, follows for follows. They they even go back and um, shout me out. Like I have, um, so like I have incoming freshmen coming in. My former students are sending the incoming freshmen to my Instagram page. Like I'm oh, wow. getting this every day, and like school hasn't even started yet. And I was like, so with that buy-in, like, I appreciate that. And I was like, if social media where y'all at, let's go. Like when I was jumping on IG Live. 
do my lessons. My kids, I'm having like 40 plus students jumping on the live, typing in their answers to questions and stuff. And I was like, if social media, where you at? I guess I'm going to follow you on over there. But they said they liked that their teachers were shouting them out. Um, they was like, you know, we the originators over here, all the other teachers copying what you're doing. But like, I don't mind putting all of that into them because they're giving me what I need back. Um, like I said, I've had and test scores because of what I'm putting out. But I think that for a lot of kids, school is just a requirement that they have to do and not some place where they actually want to be. And we have to, as a whole, what we're doing is say, why is this important? Why does this matter? Why should I care about any of this stuff that you're saying? It's just something that I have to do because the powers that be say so. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's it's so good to hear some of the challenges because, you know, my, my kids aren't of, you know, middle and high school level yet. So I don't even know a lot of the problems that y'all face because my frame of reference is mostly when I was in school. So it's it's interesting to hear of all of the challenges. And so how can parents that are that do have kids of, of high school or middle school age or even elementary school, but how, how can parents be involved? more and what things can we do at home to to help with what what you all are saying in the classroom um keeping keeping up with your your kids grades um i'm almost sure that we all have a portal we all have a portal where you can look at the grades so you know, a, a lot of parents. I, I don't know why a lot of parents end up thinking, end up being surprised about, oh, why my why my child got a C or why my child got a B or why my child, I mean, a, a F or whatever that they that they're surprised about when when we have uh, we got power school. I don't know what what they use in your county or in your district, but uh, we got power school. What, what do y'all? Oh, y'all got open campus. Infinite campus. Oh, infinite campus. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what we had in Bullitt County, and so we post grades like we post grades all the time, so you can see exactly where they got a zero on. You can see exactly mm-hmm. what they made on that test, and and not waiting until report cards come out to figure out why they um why they're why they're failing. I think that's a, one of the biggest issues: being proactive, yeah. being proactive instead of being reactive. And I've also, um, so like I also use an app called Remind 101, which is like a free um, text messaging app. So when school starts, if I see any um, cell phone numbers on the contact log, I automatically just type the parents' numbers in and add them off rip. So now you're getting a text message that Johnny has a notebook check tomorrow or Johnny has a quiz tomorrow. And you can even... um, send out videos so like I used to link YouTube videos to it and say hey watch this and so so many times because I don't give you an actual assignment that I say you have to turn back in the next day they just go home and they say I don't have any homework use a lot I told you to study so because you're gonna go home and you're gonna tell your mom my teacher said I ain't have to do nothing let me go and send your mom this text message to say he doesn't have anything to turn in but I need him to watch just to keep it fresh in his mind and that's really for the most part, for my content, that's really all I want. I just want you to see some of these concepts connecting and just give me a little bit of your time. For the most part, your homework is whatever you didn't finish in class. If you didn't finish that assignment, I'm going to send that message out. And I post the same thing again to um, my social media pages because they will ignore the text message from me. 
but they'll go read my IG story. So now I know you saw it. So I, I don't know some of these kids. So like, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm going to go meet you where you are. And they'd be like, damn man, I'm trying to be on social media to have fun. And here you go talk about a notebook check. You right. I'm, I'm going to follow you wherever you are. So, um, parents have got to be more proactive with that. Um, I need parents to believe us when we call and say, my son didn't do that. I'm not calling you for nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel a lot of times that parents just um, immediately go on defense mode when it comes to their child. And I'm the same way because I had that issue with um, my daughter's teacher. You're not going to tell me my baby. And I was like, wait a minute, girl, you're a teacher too. And you don't like that. You don't like that attitude being given to you. So you need to give her the respect of her profession and go and talk to her about, you know, what the issues may be in the classroom. And so I think parents and teachers need to be on the same page and think that we are working together to make sure that we are getting the best child as an end result of this school year instead of looking at each other as adversaries. Yeah, I, I was I was listening. It was, I was either listening to a podcast or reading a book. I can't remember which one it was, but um, it was talking about how the home life for the kids, uh, the, the biggest influence on how they do in school. And, you know, with, with you guys having class sizes of 30 kids, I don't know why parents would think that I, this teacher has 30 kids, but they specifically want to pick on my one child <laughs> as right. if you have time for that. So um, that's, that's super interesting. Um, so when I, when I was, when I was coming up, we had a lot of programs in the community that was started by usually the parent of somebody in the community or, or just someone else in it. Like when I was younger, there was a program named youth honor society um, started by Chris. Wood. We had things that, kept us thinking about academics outside of school so are, are y'all seeing programs like that in y'all community where there's an outlet for academics outside of the classroom i have not really engaged so much in this community since i've been up here like i said i am relatively new to the yeah. area but um i'm just ignorant of the emphasis on academics outside of school gotcha um just like i'm sure it's probably an issue everywhere most of the extracurriculars are geared around athletics band dance um and on a track scholarship so you're not going to hear me say that that's a bad thing but i feel like sometimes and i hate to say it i can get a kid to do better by going to their curricular coach to their pen. And that's crazy to me, but like um, the basketball coach, the football coach, I can just threaten, do I need to call coach such and such down here? And you should see the night and day reaction that you get out of like for some of these kids, they're more, they are more willing to listen to a coach than to a parent. And like, it just makes me wonder um, when did that shift happen? Um, Cause I was definitely more afraid of my parents than my coach, but I don't know when that shift really happened, but if it's there, I just feel like it puts more of the the burden on education or on us, like education yeah. coaches. It puts more of it on us because we're just doing so much. So I just wish that like parents would come in and would volunteer more. They would come to parent night. They would come to the financial aid um, talks that we have. They would come when we're doing different things because I know we we have all of those things that the school puts on. 
but the parent involvement in those, the numbers are so insignificant compared to the homecoming game or yeah. com- blew out basketball. Game. And please don't get it twisted. I love the athletics. Like I said, I am a product of a successful athletics program, but I just wish that the buy-in was there. And I want our kids to stop looking at sports as the only way out because you are one injury away from being irrelevant and in that respect. And I really need them to know are a student athlete with emphasis on the student. Like if you don't handle your classroom portion, baby, you ain't even going to be eligible to touch that field. And a lot of them are, a lot of them, their talent has carried them so far through both in school and on the field that education is just not as important to them because, oh, I'm going to the league, so I don't need to pop that. And they're like, this ain't even relevant to me. And I, I just don't get it. Like, I just wish that we as a whole cared more about the education portion of it and the extracurricular side of it. Yeah, that's one thing. That's why I've been trying to get back in touch with and do some things at my high school because I feel like we do shout out athletics a lot. And And when you say, like, the kid is more afraid of the coach, I think part of that is why I think as a community we look at it's we want you to be the next LeBron James and we see that as a positive success. And, and I, I go to, I go to a lot of basketball games. I I haven't last year, but I go to a lot of sporting events too. So I understand the the energy that that brings and, and I support that wholly completely. But I do think that we have to look at, well, if you graduate, if you go to school for engineering, there's a million jobs available. There's only 400 in the NBA, right? So it's a number games too, and it's like I, I feel like sometimes kids don't think about what's my backup plan. Like you said, if somebody does get injured, you know. So I feel like as a community, we don't embrace academics as much as we should, and that's the thing that I well, want to see parents do more of. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Steve. Well, one thing I do want to um, say is I think part of the reason that. Um, that students kind of fear their coaches a little bit more is because they do have that relationship with them. Not necessarily like they think that they're going to go to college playing football or basketball, but uh, a lot of, a lot, especially black coaches, I'm, I'm speaking primarily for myself again. I'm pretty sure Sierra can relate to this as well. You invest more in those kids than just yeah. them being good at the sport that they're good at. And so a lot of times they don't want you to go talk to their coach is because they don't want they don't want to disappoint their coach. They don't want their coach to be like see them in that negative light because they do everything. They might do everything right out on the track or they might do everything right on the field, everything right on the court. But for somebody to come tell their coach that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing in class, especially if you got a coach that preaches that you mm-hmm. should be doing everything that you're supposed to be doing in class, then you know, okay, one, I don't want to disappoint this coach. And two, even though I like this coach, I know this coach don't F around and they probably going to have my butt running some bleachers or running some sprints. <laughs> and if I don't run them things, I know that I'm not going to be able to be a part of this team no more. So, you know, that, you know, they're not scared of their parents no more because ain't no consequences. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We were scared of our parents because, hell, you tell our parents we might not come to school the next day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a possibility. But, like, I, I, I sat in meetings with parents, looked everybody in the face, including the principal, and said, oh, don't worry about that phone. We're going to take that phone. And then the next day the kid had a phone and oh. tell you, 
oh, she just tell y'all that. I knew she was gonna let me keep my phone. So, you know, that's why not, if that same kid playing sports and you go, I ain't gonna talk to your mama, I'm gonna talk to the coach. If they really like that coach or that sport, then they gonna tighten up, you know, so. I think that does have a lot to play on. I think it's a little bit different. I think when we were in school, it was a huge emphasis on, like, I want to make it to the league. I want to make it to the next level. I think nowadays, for what from what I'm seeing, um, I think that is a little bit more realistic. Like, a lot of these kids are understanding, like, okay, I'm not – I'm well, I say for my kids. They don't think that they're going to be going to um, play pro, but I do think they see it as a way out of their neighborhood to at least go to college, to go do something different, to further their education. And and that's what a good coach preaches anyway, not about being professional, about not paying no money to go to school. For your loner kids, for your kids who aren't involved in anything um, after school, who just kind of come to school and go back home, who aren't engaged, don't seemingly want to really do anything, like what are some techniques or things that using to try to like get that kid engaged or to get that kid to care because you know that regardless of what they might be going through right now like your future is coming regardless and how to like not let your current circumstances affect that that that's a real good question um you kind of hit on it earlier um a veteran teacher told me a long time ago when i was a parapro it's not about them liking the subject and like and and this was huge because i'm a math teacher and I always get the same thing. I hate math, blah, blah, yes. blah. This mm-hmm. Right? But it's not about them liking the 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 content or the subject. It's about the respect that they have for you. Yeah. And so early on, even though I'm teaching them math, I try to engage in, you know, thoughtful conversations with them um, about just everyday life and just making sure that they understand, like, one, hey, I'm not here to fail you. I'm not here to be the bad guy, you know, I got a job and you have a job as well. You know, my job is to teach you this math. And, you know, outside of that, we can have conversations in the hallway about anything, but Mm -hmm. you clock in in my class from 930 to to 11, right? This is your clock in time. And so trying to separate, and, and it's hard to do, it's hard, but trying to separate the authority figure and the person, um, Making making sure that they understand that there is a Mr. Smith in the classroom, is a Coach Smith on the field, and then there's just a Smith or a Steve out in the streets. Well, they call me Smith in the streets, but th- there are three different masks that you wear. You know, we black, we know about code switching, yes, right. <laughs> and that, and that's one of the things that I try to make sure that they understand. Hey, in this professional setting, hey, we're gonna be professional. We're gonna do things professionally. If you got a personal issue, you know, if you need to talk to me about it, I don't I, I, I make sure that I, they understand that. Hey, look, you're going to have bad days. I understand you're going to have bad days. And in the next day is a new day and I'm not going to hold that against you. But that that relationship is the only thing that separates a kid that's going to do their work and not do their work. Because yeah. um, if you don't have that relationship, it doesn't matter how bright that kid is. If they just don't f with you, they're gonna. They're, it, and it's like I, I know Raymond. It's kind of different for you to understand. Like when we were in school, whether we mess with a teacher or not, mess with a teacher, and we was gonna do our work because yeah. you know we had consequences if we didn't do our work. Right. But like 
you know, these kids can go home and be like, man, that Miss Smith don't like me. Uh, you know, um, that Miss Calhoun, she she just she just got it out for me. And and you know, sometimes parents buy into that. Mm-hmm. And you gotta do your best to make sure that they all understand like nothing is personal. You do what you're supposed to do, right? And I do what I'm supposed to do. And and I care about your well-being. I want to see you succeed. I'll do everything in my power to help you pass. Yep. You just gotta do your part. Definitely. That's good. And and one thing I, I wanted to reach back and touch back on that you said earlier, Sierra. So you were saying how there's there's financial aid nights and and things like that in your community. Mm-hmm. So one of the big narratives that I hear is that there's a lot of you know, financial education or just general life skills and school education and stuff that we're missing in the black community. And a lot of people say we need programs for this. We need programs for that. So it sounds like somewhat there are some things that exist. We're just not using those opportunities. Or I don't know if it's um, they're not marketed this way as some other events. So I was like, um, if you know they are going to show up to the basketball game, if you know they are going to show up to the football game, it's just as something as simple as setting up a table and handing out this flyer. So at least they know and we're getting it out there. Cause like we do like um, school messenger. So like um, the school system will call us or we'll get the emails or things like that. Like if it's things that are that important, we're going to have to do a better job of double dipping and putting the information out there when the crowd is there. Um, I can't tell you how many FAFSA applications I have filled out for students because they sat there in front of the computer with their parents and nobody knew where to plug in the information. Like wow. I had students show up to me with uh, their parents W two talking about my mama says she trusts you. Can you fill this out for me? And I got this all this person like all this person information right there in front of me, and I'm helping the kids fill this stuff out. And I'm like, we have nights that are just dedicated just for that with people who are walk them through those steps but we're not taking advantage of enough of those and I honestly feel like a lot of times our babies go home to parents who don't know any better and so it's hard for them like they want what's best for their child but they themselves don't understand it or it wasn't given to them in that way and so it's hard it's kind of like the blind leading the blind in some situations and so they're really struggling with my teacher said I should do this but the parent doesn't really understand it Stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and we um the question that you had earlier about um about uh activities outside of like sports but educational activities in the community. Um are are you counting are you counting stuff like upper bound, ATS and stuff like that? What say that one more time? Yeah. Well I was asking when he when he asked about um you know, educational opportunities outside of the school. I was mm-hmm. asking if that included, is that like Upper Bound and, and ETS? Yeah, so I was a part of Upper Bound, and unfortunately, the program that I was in, as well as some of the neighboring programs, uh, were, I right. think, in they, the, were they were defunded during the um, uh, No Child Left Behind Act. So a lot of right. those programs that existed when I was young, they, they don't exist anymore. I don't know if. They have and, I, and, I worked, and I actually worked at Upper Bound um, for a couple years um, at Georgia Southern before they lost their funding. But we do have Upper Bound at the school that I'm at. We have 
we actually had a couple of things at my school. We have Upward Bound, and then we have like this after school program as well, where kids get some extra extra, um, extra uh, academics. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, we, we at, at my school. One thing I say about my school in my in my district, um, especially it being ran by minorities, is that we do a lot of outreach for our kids, and we do a lot of we give a lot of opportunities for us. Like at my school, they have a thing where they have a college fair during the daytime. And they had like, you know, during school hours, as well as um, people from those colleges that help them fill out the applications, application fees waived. And we have a day where um, the people from the financial aid departments come and help them fill out FAFSAs. Like they, we, at my school, I've seen, I've seen stuff that people ask other other districts, like, can we do this? Can we do that? So we reach out to the community. We have a, a, a parent curriculum night where the parents come in and, you know, they go over the curriculum with the teachers and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then obviously um, Saturday, you know, we still do Saturday school. Yeah. Um, what Saturday school? Not, and, it's not a, yeah. and it's not a punishment. <laughs> It's like an extra opportunity to do some tutoring, get the kids caught up. Just caught up on work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's I, I did that. I did Saturday school last year. We have like um, EOC tutoring every day after school. A lot of times you're going to see teachers do like tutoring on their own. Yep. Um, just staying like we stay after school if the kids need to be there. And you yeah. also see where um, teachers are creating more and more clubs for the kids. Like we have an anime club that has like 50 kids in it and they love it. They watch different animes. They analyze them. They do all of these different things, just trying to like reach out to different little pockets um, of kids. And I just feel like, I just feel like we, we need to start looking at each other more as a team. Like I don't even know any other way to. Yeah, no, definitely somewhere that there is a disconnect and sometimes in a school it can feel like it's the students versus the teachers versus the administration a lot of times like it can literally feel like a power struggle who's doing what and how we can do things and I think that everybody just needs to work together know that this is for um, everybody's best interest and let's let's get this done gotcha yeah so when we talk about remote learning and, and coronavirus and this upcoming school year, what are what are your gut thoughts on how you how you hope things go, or what do you think would be best for you yourselves and your and and your kids and the kids that you have to teach? So y'all kind of have three three irons in the fire somewhat. Here's the thing with me. Um, I'm I think I'm with the. Um, I'm with the kind of the minority on this one. Um, I understand the parents and I understand why people don't want to come back. I, me personally, I, even if I'm going to do remote learning, I'd rather do it from the school. Yes. I, I would. Yes. Even if it's going to be remote learning, I, I'd rather have all my resources that I have um, at the schoolhouse and I'd rather do my remote learning from the schools. I absolutely understand why parents don't want their kids to go to school. I absolutely understand. It's, not even, it, it, it's more than just the kids. Like, the kids can be asymptomatic and bring it back to the house. Like, I get it. Like, I absolutely get it. Um, 
and and I don't know if it's cabin fever speaking, but being in the house since March, you know, being in the house since March, you know, I'm ready just to get back to some type of normalcy, you know, selfishly. And I, and I admit it's, it's selfish. Um, so for, for me, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to get back to, to something where we can get in a groove of things. And secondly, the distance learning thing, the trial run was in the spring. That was a trial run. Trial run. Mm-hmm. You know, going into it this year, this isn't a trial run now. We figured out, okay, students, a lot of students are going to need computers and internet access. We figured that out in March and April, right? So in May, June, July, we should have been figuring out how to get those things to those students, right? We should have figured that out. You know, we figured out, all right, some kids are not going to do any work. And and what we did, I don't know what they did in her district, but what we did in our district was made it go, okay, we we had just got on break right after report cards went out. So we basically said, okay, your quarter, your whole semester grade is going to be that report card grade. And you can increase your grade by making a C, a B, or an A for the second nine weeks, basically, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So it didn't really count. It couldn't hurt you. It could only help you. Help you, yeah, so we did that. That was, the, that was the little thing that we did to kind of, uh, you know, help the kids out. Mm-hmm. But going into this year, you don't have no previous grade. And so I, I feel like maybe we did a disservice by not letting those grades count. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because going into this year, what would be the mindset of the kid? And the truth is, it's going to be, we're going to just need heavy parental involvement. Like that's just what it's going to have to be. We're not going to be there to discipline your kids. We're not going to be there to write them up. We're not even going to be there to, we'll, we'll, we will be there to call because we, we're going to call. We, we ain't got no choice because we probably got, got call laws that we got to mm-hmm. make. But you're going to have to make sure that your kid is, you're going to have to be a, a, a hover parent to some degree. And, it's, and, and for parents who, you know, like to stand back, let their kid grow up on their own, it's going to be a little tougher for them. But they got to understand it, it's, it's going to be tough for everybody. You know, will we rather be in school? Will we rather this not Absolutely. be going on? Absolutely. Absolutely. But this is where we are. And whether we're at home or we're in the schoolhouse, um, I think the biggest takeaway from this COVID thing is that parents need to be more involved in their kids' academics um, early on. And this this year, especially starting in August, is going to be a lot of um, parents who are going to be learning how to parent differently. Yeah, this coming up this coming up fall for sure. Definitely agree with that. Um, so with us, um, both myself and my husband work at the same school. So they have pretty much told us that um, whether we are doing virtual teaching or face-to-face teaching, we will be in the building. I'm okay with that because cabin fever. I'm not okay with that because my immune compromised mother lives with me. Mm. It's scary that, okay, if me and my husband 
get exposed to something if we beat it, but when we bring it back to her, I I wouldn't be able to live with myself knowing that I had a hand at that. Right. Um, they gave us three options in our district. So you can do like we've been doing. You can do um, online with the county teaching you, or you can come out and do like a Georgia virtual option. So I chose to virtual school my daughter before they told us that we had to report back to the building. Mm. Now I'm stuck or we are stuck trying to figure out childcare because me and him have to go back. Like we were under the assumption that we could do virtual from home. So now we have to figure out, well, what is it that we are going to do with our seven-year-old and her schooling? Because we're already going to have to pay for daycare for our one-year-old, you know? So a lot of parents are about to pick up bills. Like I understand the push to open up the economy because childcare, like I hate to say it, because we're on this crazy nine to five model that we are, school is a free form of childcare. Yeah. Um, and if the economy is going to continue to push to be open, it's honestly nothing that um, we can do about it. They're going to force us back in. I have personally tried not to stress over it. I prayed about it. If it is up in my class this year and I have to teach them face to face, I'm going to give them what they need. But I have also decided that if you want me to risk my life, I'm going to teach them how I want to, when I want to. We ain't doing nothing but laughs this year. So anybody who's going to be rocking the E10 with me, we about to have a grand old time <laughs> because you're not going to put my life on the line and I'm not going to make it worth it. But am I scared? Yes. Um, on the flip side, if I get virtual, I don't I'm afraid that I'm not going to get the same buy-in that I can get face-to-face. I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to build the same relationships, that I'm not going to get what I normally get with them. So I have been working nonstop trying to like make my online classroom look fun and like put little pops of my personality in and just try to be as creative as possible to get that engagement that I normally get face-to-face in a virtual setting. So um, my anxiety has been through the roof with all of this. At this point, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to thug it out and I'm going to teach my way through it regardless. I've been trying to research just some of the things about this and things that could go wrong and things that could go right. And it's it's incredibly complicated because uh, my kids are in childcare now. And, and just like you said earlier about people being immune compromised, the thing that's been challenging for me is I can't go see my grandmother right now because I'm terrified that my kids will have something and I'll be asymptomatic or they'll be asymptomatic and then we'll go around grandparents and stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're always terrified that my kids have only seen their great grandmother like once. And, um, so, uh, three weeks ago they went home and, um, the, the teacher for my daughter tested positive for coronavirus while my daughter was with one of her grandparents. And mm. that was terrifying. So, I understand the, the, the fear of going to school and being around a, a bunch of kids that will probably be asymptomatic and then you bring it home to somebody that you love or the kids sharing it and then going to see their grandparents. And so it's it's incredibly difficult. And I don't I mean, there's obviously there's no right right answer. Right. But um, some of the they things, don't go, go ahead. Like they don't, I don't think people really realize just how many people you come into contact with in a school every day. So for a high school, I currently can see 172 kids on my roster for this year. 
I have 172. My husband can see 154 on his roster. We are going to be exposed to over 300 different households if we go back to school face to face. Now, have fun contact tracing that. Like we, we you know what I'm saying? And so, it's, and, and you, yeah. <laughs> and it's, you, and you talking you about a classroom? Yeah. And I know y'all got. I know y'all got all duty. Yep, <laughs> so I know you. Yep. I know you're in the hallway with all the kids. You really. The truth is, man. And you come in contact with damn near every kid in that school. In school. Yep. Regardless of how many kids are your are on your on your roster, you know, and and you know, for closure, my my family, we we were. And so we're just, you know, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, you were going in and out a little bit. Right. Right. Well, we, you know, my, my family contracted um, the virus and we all got better. You know, we were blessed. Um, and, you know, I feel like it's real good to be proactive um, and, to, and to get checked before going back into school and just to know your status, you know, just yeah. to know. Um, if you if you have it, because a, a couple people might have caught it, never got tested, never had any symptoms, mm-hmm. went for a week, and then it dissipated, and now they're they're fine, you know, and they never knew, you know, they never knew that they had it, you know. I was unfortunate; I caught some symptoms, and I was like, well, I gotta go get tested, and then I, I got tested, I was positive, and then I, I took two tests. Three weeks later, and they both came. I'm I'm glad I got it during the summertime when I was in the house, uh, yeah. and not during in the school year where I could have possibly spread it to other kids or to my co-workers. Um, like I said, I'm I'm, a, I'm fortunate that I caught it during the summer because I don't know what the jury says right now, but I don't think you can catch it twice. I'm not sure, you know. But I don't think you can catch it twice. And if you can, you know, we're still being safe. We're still wearing our masks. We still got our gloves on when we go out. Um, and, I, and I tell my kids when I see them to do the same thing, you know, I'm not going to act like we ain't have, we ain't have football workouts because we have. I ain't going to act like we're we not sanitizing everything because we do. Um, but you do the kids and have more masks? Absolutely. During their workouts, yes, they have more masks. Right. Um, They got hand sanitizer every time they um, touch something. We wipe it down. So, you know, we're we're in a real weird place in life right now where, like you said already, there is no right answer. You know, you just got to kind of trust that you're doing everything right. Um, But I don't know if us being away from everybody forever, because that at what point are we going to – this isn't going away. So at what point are we going to get to a, a, you know, where we can start doing stuff back the old way? Or are we never going to be able to do stuff the old way, right? Is this life now? Yeah. You know, and if this be are – we, are we just supposed to hide in the house forever until we die? You know, that is just, that's just kind of, that's my thought on it. You know, that's my personal take. Um, You know, I I hope everybody stays healthy and stays safe. 
I just don't, I don't want to be the cause of somebody's death for sure. Yes. Or, or sickness even, you know? Yeah. Ain't no telling how many times I done got sick from these kids over the right. <laughs> years for sure. <laughs> but I don't want to, I don't want it to, you know, I don't want to be negligent in this situation. Yes. You yeah. know, that's so. that's a few of the concerns I had. I'm I'm worried about like the socialization aspect of like what I what I hear and I, and because my kids aren't old enough yet, I don't have like firsthand experience. But what I hear from a ton of people is that when we were young, we were outdoors and we were mingling and we were almost always together. I was almost always with other kids after school, mm-hmm. and I hear that this generation is more. Like y'all were saying earlier, they're on their Instagram or they're playing video games and they're playing with virtual friends. They're not even playing with actual friends. So True. the socialization aspect is is scary. I'm also afraid if 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 like some of the problems that y'all have highlighted here about parents and not being proactive with learning. I think of the kids that are going to go to college and are they going to now have to spend more money in student loans and remediation classes before the actual classes? So worried about things like that and just are more kids, like y'all were saying how some kids aren't at the reading level of, of their grade and is that just going to get worse? And and then I'm worried about how things play in public school versus private school. So my daughter is going to private pre-K and, and they have already set up that they're going to have in class and it's going to be just regular. And my fear is that the public sector is going to suffer through the distance learning and that those kids may fall further behind. And it's not due to any action of their own. It's just the situation of coronavirus and their the class size is much larger. And there's more risk to you all. There's more risk to y'all's kids. There's more risk to y'all's parents. There's more risk to the kids themselves. So, I'm worried about how all of that plays in that landscape as well. And it's it's really terrifying. Um, and, and that's why it's so hard to say, yeah, do I support kids going back to school, given all of those issues and the vitamin D issue? And uh, I don't know if y'all heard of Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She was on a Joe Rogan podcast, but she talked about one of the reasons that she feels that this disease has disproportionately affected blacks is because of vitamin D deficiencies and that leads to being immune compromised and, and a few other things. So, and if kids are inside and they're only on their phone and they're only on their video game, then they're also not getting sunlight. So they're also not getting vitamin D. So it's, it's scary to say y'all should risk y'all lives for everybody else to hopefully work out. Right. So it's, it's, it's complicated and, and I don't really know how to have a hard stance on it. I just, Look at some of the things, and like you said, childcare, and if if I have to work nine to five, and now my kid isn't in school, what do I do? Right? Do my does my kid stay at home by themselves? Then you got to worry about predators in the community, and there's it, it's a, it's a really big problem, and, and our world is just not set up for for any of this, really. Right? All of this, and we're living through it new, and we're having to make decisions, and and on the fly, in two years from now we're going to have to look back and say, did we do the right thing? And it's going to be difficult to even quantify. And, and I'm worried about the biggest thing is I'm worried about the kids and learning and, and not learning at the same rate. And that showing up later in their lives that, Oh, I, I was unfortunately the kid. My senior year was the Corona year. And now I'm in college and I'm in all remediation classes because 
I didn't get what I needed my college year. Right? I mean, my my senior year. So how do y'all how do y'all feel about that? I don't think that we really have any other choice but what you're saying right now, man. Um, unfortunately, that is a a horrible um, realistic outcome for us right now. I, and I'm just being real. Um, hell, it's going to be tough for kids who, who who were going to the 11th or 12th or sophomores. Yeah. Hell, everybody, when they go back to school, for the, the overwhelming majority of kids um, didn't get their last nine weeks of schooling. They're going to be behind when they come back in the fall. It, do, it, it doesn't matter where you at. They're going to be behind when they come back in the fall. Uh, the only way that these kids that are seniors are going to be okay is if they take the initial, like they're going to have to grow up early. Like where we probably didn't do online classes until maybe our junior year in college where we were a little bit more responsible, right? These, these kids are going to basically have to be, have to have college matureness, maturity. I'm sorry. Yeah. Have college maturity. Um, right now, you yeah. know, they're going to have to log on, make sure that they log on, make sure that they turn in their work on time, make sure that they're actually watching the videos or or reading over the notes. Um, even though these are things that they probably should have been doing already, but it's a little bit different when you feel more comfortable in the classroom. But now you're talking about... I think we may have lost him for a little bit. Okay. I think that um, the achieve there's going to be an achievement gap as a result of this. I'm not sure how quickly we are going to pick up on where it is. Um, it could show up at the start of next school year. We could not see it until the next five years. What I am hoping that COVID is, is the death to mass testing. Um, I'm hoping that we can go back and like start giving kids more of what they need because I feel like the testing wasn't so much about what the kids needed to know, so how to keep teachers accountable. Mm. And I, you took what we loved out of it when you started making us number crunch. Um, and I feel like truly get back to educating the kids what they need without the testing. I am elated that um, testing is over or at least for this school year, I'm very excited at being able to focus on particular skills, focus more on reading comprehension, focus more on their writing, focus more on their um, analysis skills, because I don't have the fear of a test at the end of the year that I on this material by. Um, and that's from a teacher perspective. From a parent perspective, I am afraid for my soon-to-be second grader because this is a important year for her. So normally kids begin testing in the third grade. So let's say she goes through this whole school year and she does her whole school year virtual. Then I put her back in school at the start of next year and you tell her she has to take a milestone at the end of third grade. What if she doesn't pass? You know, what if she something, there was a disconnect due to virtual learning. Like it's my fault. I did that. It's my fault because I kept her home and I didn't do this. And like so many parents are going to feel that burden. And I'm hoping that as a whole, that we're done with testing through this. That is my prayer through all of this is that 
the educational reform that we see is the end to standardized testing. But I am worried again, like for my seven year old, not so even with her socialization, like little kids learn really well from each other. Yes. And so like um I have her set up to where she's going to be doing virtual learning with another little second grade. She's going to be there with another educator's um, daughter and they are going to do their virtual learning together so they can socialize and help each other. Awesome. So my daughter is very strong at math and she's very strong at reading. And I'm hoping they can like pig, you know, piggyback off of each other to help in a way that I know that their teachers would have them set up in those certain little centers and groupings at school. And I am afraid for that because I don't do elementary. Like I, little kids are awful people, and I just I don't like working. I don't like working with that age group. I don't. And like, I got so frustrated helping her, and I am an educator. I can only imagine how some of these other parents felt and how overwhelmed they felt sitting at home trying to work with their kids. You know, yeah. they keep me. If Johnny had five damn apples, how, like we've seen, you know, what I'm saying we've seen all of that, and I just feel like. If I'm getting frustrated and I'm trained to actually do this, how is everybody, especially for those parents who may not have much education, who are trying to help get this to to their kids, like, what is that like? So I personally am reaching out. I'm trying to help where I can, whether you K through 12, I can give your baby some science. I can help a little bit on the reading. What do you need from me? Like, I am personally trying to make myself available to help. Um, wherever I can, my family members have been reaching out to me, asking me for advice on what they think they should do with my cousins, et cetera, et cetera. Just people are afraid um, and rightfully so. But you have to weigh your specific household. I don't I am fortunate not to be a single parent right now. This I am fortunate to you're about to send me back into the schools. But when all this stuff broke out, I was fortunate to be one of the people who switched to work from home. Like for those parents who work in retail, who work in restaurants, who work in all these places that have been forced to stay working through all of this, whatever I can do to try to help, I can help. But I also know that I can only help my small small pocket where I live. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of educators are trying to help the best that we can, like the the number of Facebook groups that have popped up for educators through all of this. When I tell you, I have joined like four different groups because we're all trying to figure out what is the best way to get our kids through this. We are not getting paid for this. We are on summer vacation. And it's so discouraging and frustrating to see y'all was just singing our praises in March about anything you want on your school supply list. I'm going to get it. You was telling the truth about my child. My baby does this and my baby does that. I feel like they turned on us. And we're sitting here working unpaid right now to give your child the best experience possible come August. I'm not being paid for none of the stuff that I'm doing. And I have figured out how to use Canvas, Microsoft Teams, and Microsoft Office 365 to enhance my teaching experience. I ain't get compensated for none of that. Yeah. And it is because I want to be the teacher that I expect for my children to have. And I have always felt that way. I'm going to be what I need my kids to get. And like I said, we just gonna have to work together. Um, have to push through. It's not 
fair. It's an awful situation. Um, I know for me personally, if it's a parent who's saying, oh, I don't understand this. I don't know how to do this. I'm giving them all my contact information. I'm sending them YouTube videos to help them explain. Look, do you need to call me and we can discuss this? Like, I don't mind doing that, but I also can't speak for every educator. I just know what I'm doing for me and my 172. So um, to think that many of my fellow educators are like-minded like me, I can say that I work in a very strong department and my department really cares about the kids. And I feel like they're going to see that, especially from science. Um, But I think we've worked out a lot of the kinks from March. Um, Do what's best for your child. Nobody is going to judge you either way. And just remember that we scared to death and we learning this new world, just like a lot. So just that's really all I can ask for is have patience. Yeah. If I could, if, if there's hopefully a silver lining in all of this and, this is one of the things that, that Dustin is saying also. Um, two things. One, I hope parents start to understand and and value how much teachers and, and how much value they bring to your kids' lives. Um, me as a person, like I said in the opening, that's always been close to my teachers. I've always I've always had had had, had strong feelings for them and, and I'm all on board with the hey, let's pay teachers more, I'm all on board with all of that. It's just because of the relationships that I've had. And, and I feel like everyone doesn't have that. So even just with this conversation, I hope people that are listening understand that teachers are out here to help your kids. And, and that's their goal. And their goal is to, for your kid to learn. And it's not personal vendettas and all the other crazy narratives that I see on my Facebook. But um, if there's a silver lining, I do hope that, that parents start to respect teachers more and form better relationships and they're active in the programs that are that teachers are putting on other schools um the other thing is um they'll be more active in their kids lives like it's i think because we have such a problem with fatherlessness and and economic issues and other things i think a brunt of raising a child is laid directly at y'all's feet and 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 y'all are counselors y'all are best friends y'all you know y'all are motivators so y'all y'all right now wear so many hats and and I think all of that is amazing and I think if parents can take some of that work off of y'all then that will allow y'all more time to do other things and it'll also help their kids overall too so if if anything comes out of this I hope that we look back on it and we say parents started to be more involved with their kids live and and that's what saved the day and even after coronavirus that continues um if if i had any kind of if there was any silver lining i hope that that's what it becomes uh steve you were about to say something earlier oh no uh, i just unmuted but yeah i, I agree um with what your sentiment everything you say cool, cool how do you say this person's name in the chat. <laughs> I'm trying to read their questions, but I don't know how to say her, say his or her name. Pecan, pecan. Oh, that's so. That's that's Dustin. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I was gonna ask a couple of questions from the uh, from from the live. Um. So so Dustin X. So as teachers, where do you draw the line between being a teacher and a companion, a motivator? Because we know teachers have their own lives to live. But how far do you go until you stop? Is so basically, where do we draw the line from? You know, like where where do where do we stop 
I don't want to use the word Kang, but like investing in the kids outside of school. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. But the truth is, you really kind of don't. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's just really what it is, man. I, I've had kids, man. Um, even after they graduate, you know, they'll call me. They got issues. They want to talk about some stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about it, you know, because sometimes you never know what you really are to that person outside of, like, uh, if you're that, you might be a real strong mentor, father figure, mother figure, um, you know, you never know. You don't want to be the person that drive that, you know, to push them into a negative situation in their lives right. or just not be there for them. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's the ones that do have your number, you really never... Cause you know you, all your kids don't have your number, but the ones that do have your number, you know, you you've taken them into your family pretty much. So you're always gonna be there for them um, when they need. And if you're a coach, shit, every season that team is your family. Family, yep. All uh, however many you got, forty five of them. The mm-hmm. forty five kids are your family because you gonna have to be there for them because you're their leader. You know, I'm I'm a head coach. Um, and I'm an offensive coordinator. And so if, if my kids need me to talk to a coach to write a recommendation letter, I just – I got to write three recommendation letters by Saturday, by Friday. And they just told me about it yesterday and somebody told me about it today. They're just as last minute as your kids going to be. Like, they're going to be <laughs> – they're going to be just like – you know, they're going to treat you like family, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you never really – you never it never really stops, to be honest with you. It's very situational. You have some kids who are only going to talk to you in the building, and then you have some kids who, like you said, you got to give them your, your number. Um, I have one student in particular who we were bonded through a tragedy. Uh, she came. She set up my entire classroom for me um, during pre-planning. We were having a good time, hanging out. She literally left my room, and her dad was murdered hours later. And so... I showed up to the hospital for her. She called me crying. I showed up to the hospital for her. I helped her with the funeral. Um, she actually ended up having to go to school and see the brother of the guy who killed her father every single day yeah. to finish her senior year. And I had to step up and be there for her because she was just a mess, as she should be. Yeah. And Oh, she is one of those people who I still talk to to this day. I still text her. I still FaceTime her. We like she has a kid. Like, oh my God, like your child is four months older than my son. Like, what in the world? Like, it's blowing my mind. You're a mom now. Like, you're you're working, you have your own place, you're doing like I had to like stay with her, but she also came back and told me, I don't think I would have graduated if you had not stayed on me. Like, I mean, she started getting in trouble, she started skipping, she started fighting, like understand you are a ball of anger right now you're grieving you this is you're saying you're supposed to be one of the best times of your life and I am a pure ball of emotion because of this thing that has happened to me and I am actually grateful and honored that she trusted me to be that person for her to be that confidant to be that big sister and like you said like you don't give all the kids that but when you do find those certain that one every year yeah. You know, I've had one every year. Like you, you rock with them that way. Like I have um, a student who uh, she was in my 
10th grade class. I mean, she had me in 10th grade for biology. She became my track captain. We have the same birthday and she is now my sorority sister. Like, baby, I groomed you <laughs> from the time you were 16. Oh, this is the only way that, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, she was like, I wasn't even going to go to college. I wasn't going to run track in college. She's majoring in biology like I did. Like I said, she's she, young Sierra. <laughs> like you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like this is my protege. And I love that. I love that I'm able to like impart that wisdom. And she calls me like, we were uh, up till midnight a few days ago trying to struggle with organic chemistry together. We on Zoom, just trying to figure out these problems together. And like, I love that I am able to have that bond and meet all of these different people. So for some kids, it's just simple. But hey, do we need to step outside? Do we need to talk? Do we need to do this? For some people, for some of my students, I ask them, do you want Miss Calhoun to answer? Or do you want Sierra to answer? Because you go get two different answers. And I, and I mean, I'm not going to tell the kids anything out of pocket. I'm not yeah, going to say yeah. anything that's going to cause me to lose my job. But I'm going to give you the politically correct answer. And then sometimes you want to hit a gutter gutter answer. Yeah. And I understand that. And the kids want to be able to see, you know what I'm saying, that side of you. And that's how they trust you. And they know that they need that. I feel like a lot of the times the kids bring to us what they are terrified of bringing to their parents. So as a biology and human anatomy teacher, they always want to talk about sex. Like what they, and they see me as somebody that they trust. They know their friends don't know no better. They all trying to figure it out themselves. Uh, I tell them, you can't watch what's on the internet because that's just wrong. (laughs) And then (laughs) they're afraid and have conversations with their parents so I try to keep it as scientific as possible but I also I'm not going to let you leave this class with any misinformation because I feel like whether I tell you or I don't tell you you're going to try it anyway if you're curious so at least let me give you what you need to make an informed decision and I'm not telling you one way or the other what to do I'm just saying here's what's out there yeah. Please, please be safe. Go talk, to, go talk to your mom. About <laughs> but they, they are afraid. And I feel like sometimes parents are doing these kids a disservice. I couldn't talk to my mom about sex. Yeah. I was afraid to speak to her about sex. So I had to go and find other adults that I trusted, or at least like an older cousin, an older friend, older somebody who would answer these questions who I needed to know. I think parents have to especially with that particular topic, they have to stop being so afraid to parent in that instance. Like my daughter is seven and she at words, she's asking me what it means. I'm not ready. You seven. But I also know if I don't start to baby step her to what she needs to know, like she can literally go, Hey Siri, what's sex? And they will tell her. <laughs> and so I have to be, I have to be ready. I have to be ready for that. And I think that, want our kids to be kids, but we also have to have an open mind with our children. We have to have that relationship with our children that feel like if they come to us with a question, they're punished or judged. And a lot of kids feel that way about their parents, which is why they treat teachers the way they do. I mean, and it's tough, though, because, like, I know, I mean, I don't think any kid is really that comfortable talking to their parents. Like no. kid wise, even all the way through high school, and then to be honest with you, I don't know too many parents who are really that comfortable as well. Even if, because at the end of the day, like you still gonna see another little baby who couldn't hold their head up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that's always what it's gonna be. And so, 
you're right. Like we gotta kind of we gotta be aware of those things, and mm-hmm. and it's good. And I'm not gonna lie, it's good that that we have teachers like us, like you, that um are informed and talk to the kids, and that they're comfortable, right? Because like you said, like they're gonna do it anyway. They're gonna yeah. do. They're gonna do it. Like yeah. that's you know we we've all worked. We are we were all kids, but as long as you know that that we guide them in the right direction, and you know make sure, hey, look, talk to your parents. Cause mm-hmm. hell, like the truth is, you, you don't really say much about sex around your parents until you had a kid. Really, like when you got your own kid, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you know, you know I'm fucking out. <laughs> right. That's true. You don't out of your mind. That's true. But before then, it's, it's always nerve wracking. It, it's always nerve wracking. I mean, that's just kind of what it is. Even when you know, even when you know that your parents know, no, that you doing it. <laughs> You but still, you still don't. You still don't want to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I, I'm glad that we are. Um, I'm glad we're in the profession that we're in. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like teachers like us, um, we're we're doing a service to the school, um, to the education system. So there are a lot. There are a lot like us. You know. It's a lot of us that we, we don't do a lot of stuff by the book. We're not very politically correct. This generation of teachers, the ones that started when we started, the ones that graduated in 05, 06, 07, 08, like that group of teachers, they're different. They're a different breed of teachers, honestly. Um, we're just we're just cut from a di- different cloth. And we're I think we're grooming this generation that's so tech heavy to have certain skills that we did have that they wouldn't have if they mm-hmm. didn't interact with us. That's an ask. How do they feel about corporal punishment um, is another thing that I want to ask. So I'm a person that my mom beat me when I was growing up, like period. So, and, and when I say beat me, let me, let me be politically correct here because there's a lot of craziness on the internet, but my mom whipped me, but she, she had conversations with me and she made sure I understood why what was happening was happening. So it wasn't as if I was being ran over by a car and just some of the abusive stuff that we see online. I do think there's a point that's too far that's abuse. But I want to talk about, and people are going to say this doesn't exist, but what we would call healthy, <laughs> healthy whippings. And when it comes specifically to school, um, uh, we had paddling when, when I was in school. And, and when, I, when I was bad, I got paddled. I only got paddled twice during school, but... I didn't feel like I was abused or misused. I feel like I kind of got what I deserved. And it was a reminder that, hey, you need to stay in line. You need to make sure your classmates are staying in line. So uh, how, do y- how do y'all feel overall about it? It's never been a- in a school setting that I have been in. So I guess I haven't thought much about it. Have I thought if I ever saw you on the street? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um I'm not going to lose my job over that, but we have seen the videos. We've seen, heard about the cases. We have seen all of that. What I will say as far as corporal punishment is concerned, um, different punishments work well for different kids. There are some kids who are only going to respond well from certain types of, I'm going to take your extracurriculars away. I'm going to take your phone away. Um, There are some kids who, if you talk to them in that disappointed tone, they they act right, like a talking to work. Yep. Then that's something you got to bust over the head. Yep. I think 
you can't one size fit all corporal punishment. Like for some situations, I need you to know that this is extremely severe and I understand the use of a physical uh, punishment. Um, I try very, very hard not to thank my children. Um, but sometimes you don't look, <laughs> you know? And so I, but I can say that it is not, um, it is not something that is done out of anger. I think that before any type of punishment is doled out, whether in schools or um, at home, you need to step, take a step back and reflect. So I always like to wait and go eat before I like write a referral. And I don't know what it is. I'd be like, you know, I was just shipping my blood sugar was low and I'm good. Or like sometimes there have even been times where admin has been like, okay, I read your referral. What would you like the punishment to be? And I will say, send that kid back to me and I will handle it in my class. I don't need you to get them ISS. I don't need you to get them detention. I don't need you. You know what I'm saying? I can handle it. We were just having a bad moment um, at that time. I think that cooling off, like sometimes tempers can prevail. I think that everybody kind of needs to step back, cool off instead of getting caught up in the heat of the moment. And that is something that I try to do both um, parenting and teaching. I try to say, you know what, go and take a walk and I'm going to come back to you. Take about five minutes. I'm going to come talk to you in the hallway when I'm done. You know what I'm saying? With everybody else. And even with my daughter, like in my mind, I'm, I'm going to spank you. I'm going to spank you. I'm going to spank you. And then I don't mess around and fell asleep and I ain't even met. You know? And it's like... <laughs> I wake her up and we have that conversation, but I'm not, you know what I'm saying? Like I'd never want to do anything in the heat of the moment when I'm exactly. really angry. Um, I can't say it does seem like a conscious shift. Like he said, with this generation, um, when I go back and I call like my aunts or like my mom's peers, they was always like, you better beat them. You yep. know, that is the advice that I get every single time. But as I talk more to like my peer set and like my friends uh, my kids' age is we're talking to them, we're doing punishments. There are more, there are definitely more options. And I I like that. I really do. Um, I want my daughter to respect me, not fear me. And I feel like a lot of times with our parents, they thought that was one and the same. And it's, I appreciate the shift that is happening as a result. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it, as far as corporal punishment in the schools, like, like she said, we didn't have it. We didn't have it in my school. I, I never. Well, I take that back. When I was growing up, um, when I was in elementary school, uh, we got our hand popped with the ruler. We did get our hand popped with the ruler. Um, and and a lot of the time, like you said, Raymond, shit, I I knew what the consequences were gonna be. And I tried it anyway. Anyway, yeah. You know, so you know, I got what I I deserve. Um, and, and here's the thing. I feel like I, I got. I feel like when a lot of the times when people see um, their kid, uh, other kids getting popped, or they hear about um, children spanking them, or uh, get getting whooping or whatever, that the parent is have a lack of patience. That that's what I think. I think it's a misconception. Like they're just not patient enough for the kid to do what they want to do. Um, 
with me having a two year old now, I'm I'm learning that because I thought the same way. Hey, look, I, I'm gonna try my hardest not to spank my kid. You know, <laughs> you know when he gets older, I know you know like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You know we're gonna have our little issues, but you know before he turns five or six, I'm not gonna pop his leg. I'm not gonna do that. But the truth is, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but like it's not that they hurt or cry or whatever like my son i pop his leg he don't even cry he just go okay my bad i i know i shouldn't have did that and he go on about his way and, and it wasn't even like he's been groomed or conditioned to know okay when you get popped that's what it means like the first time it happened he was like oh i knew i wasn't supposed to be doing that but that's the consequence okay i'm gonna stop doing it yeah. and so it, it's not always a lack of patience or an abuse mindset. Um, sometimes it's just the response. Everybody isn't, everybody ain't scared of their words. You know what I'm saying? Now, eventually, daddy, daddy tone starts to take a fair, hey, hey, all right, <laughs> let me go sit down. You know, let me go find my mama before this man act up. And that's okay. And that's fine, and, you know, and I'll be that parent. I'm okay being that parent because I know when my child does start to understand, like, really comprehend what, what I'm talking about, because I, I, I bring my son, he too, he barely has any vocabulary, but I sit there and I explain to him, like, listen, you can't do this, or it's time to go to bed, or I need you to eat, or whatever it is, I explain these things to him. And I feel like when he does turn, that get to that age where he can comprehend what I'm telling him, um, I think we're going to be better. And I think the daddy tone will be way more effective than it is right now. Cause yeah. you know, a two year old will laugh at your ass. I got one, <laughs> I got, I got one right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely, that, yeah. Some of the people that are online sometimes and they're like, Oh my God, any type of physical punishment is the worst. I'm like, you must not have a kid. Like sometimes you just, and like, I, I use it with my kids as a, a as a like rank of severity. Like, Yes. All right, you know you're doing something that's absolutely insane. So, and I feel like different levels of of of, of behavior deserves different levels of punishment. If you're playing with the stove and you're gonna burn yourself, you finna hear from yeah, me. Like, gotta, you ain't gonna hear my out. hand. Like, I mean, you just hear my my voice. Yeah. So I I feel like certain certain lines or or it's like I see that you're intentionally doing something. You're you're intentionally like doing something over and over that you know you shouldn't be doing so I, I feel like severity matters and and we should react appropriately and and like y'all were saying too i feel like you got to have those conversations with your kid. like a lot of time if if i have to hit my daughter's hand or something when i'm giving her a bath we talk about it and i tell her hey this is why i had to do this and this is this is how you behave better so stuff like that doesn't have to happen and i feel like she's she consumes it and she changes her behavior but um, i feel like as people grow hopefully you're having to use physical punishment less. If if you got an eighteen year old kid and you still gotta whoop them, you messed up a long time ago. <laughs> right? Time. So I feel like as as kids get older and older, definitely towards high school, like even somewhat middle school, like you shouldn't you should be able to have those conversations and if you can't, you failed somewhere. And it might be because you didn't whoop them when they were younger, so they don't really respect you at all, right? <laughs> so um yeah, I feel like we gotta we gotta grow and we gotta understand that any physical punishment doesn't mean that you're some Satanist that's <laughs> like a child abuser and stuff. So I feel like absolutely, yeah. 
Oh yeah, somebody asked, what if the parents that parents that uh, what if the parents don't understand how to do the work, and they're talking about oh, in hey, a virtual learning great, setting? Huh? Hey, great question. Hey, listen, that's a real good question. I just want to go ahead and do this cheap plug. Listen, if you got a kid that's doing distance learning, or you're a parent that struggles with math, right? Uh, I'm offering my tutoring services for the whole month of August for free. Right. Um, now, here's the thing. I coach as well, so you got to work around my schedule. But the whole month of August is free. And if you want to continue my services going into the school year, um, I'm a very fairly rated guy because I'm a teacher. So I already understand. And I work in a low income area for my past eight years of teaching. So I absolutely get it. So if you I would say if you if be proactive again, if you know that you that you don't know that high school math no more. Pull it up on YouTube if you know what your kid doing. Because here's the one thing I learned about being older. You comprehend way better as an adult than you did when you were in school. So, like, when you struggle with the Pythagorean theorem in ninth grade, I guarantee you, if you just give yourself some time, you'll, you'll understand a little bit more than when you were a kid because you're more invested into understanding it. So, you know, be proactive and, um, and learn the material. Relearn the material. Reteach yourself. Yeah, man. Uh, so I'm about to steal his idea. So if your child needs any help with any of the sciences, okay, so this is biology, physical science, chemistry, um, AP biology. I am more so of a life science person, but I can help us struggle through physical science and physics together. I'm going to get them where they need to be. Um, I have a page on Facebook called uh, Calhoun uh, Extended Learning. Um, you can go on there and like the page. I was posting my videos when we went out on uh, on digital learning. I will be dropping a few of my lessons on there that I plan to record when I'm using um, when I'm when I start teaching virtually. Um, you can also go and follow my page on Instagram at bio underscore bosses. Um, I post educational videos. I post videos of me teaching. I post shout outs, all sorts of things. Again, if your kids are struggling, reach out. Um, I'm very, very affordable. Um, I've actually ended up randomly tutoring some kids from my college. Like his mom happened to find my page and he was taking the same professor that I was taking in college and I ended up tutoring him through that. So it's not just for high school. If any of your um, kids want to go into the medical field and they struggling in college with those biology and intro to chemistry courses, I got you. Okay, I got you. Cool, cool. Uh, someone asks, in reference to virtual learning, would you agree that giving, would you agree with giving parents teaching materials like answer keys as a reference for the parents? I understand that some would possibly just give the kids the answers, but, and, and that's definitely not helping the child. I want to walk the parent through it versus giving them the answer. Like, do I need to come and teach you on the side so you can go and teach them? I'm more, I would more so want to do that than just give it to me. Cause like I said, I don't know what your teaching techniques are. I don't know if you just go get in the paper to uh, copy, but I mean, just like we having a zoom right now, if I got to set this up and mama up there and the kids on there too, and this is how I have to teach y'all. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I would, I'm, I'm on, I'm with her on that one. Um, not only because they might just give them the answer, 
if, if they get frustrated with the work, that's what's gonna happen. If they go with shit, mm-hmm. I, I'm not getting and hey, the answer six, but I don't know how they got six, but just put six. You know, that mm-hmm. that's gonna happen if they don't if they don't know how to do the work, you know, and knowing how to do the work versus um quote unquote thinking you know how to do the work are two different things because when you know you know how to do the work, you know you did it right. So you can explain it to somebody. But when you're unsure of your abilities, then you won't be able to uh, properly help your child. And um, in the end, it's going to hurt um, not only your child, but it's going to hurt you as well because they're going to end up feeling the stuff that matters. Cool. <laughs> Aaron, I will be calm tomorrow. <laughs> Um, cool Um, cool I think this was good I I think the biggest thing that I got out of this is understanding you all's life and and the struggles that that come with teaching and the joys that come with teaching I hope that other parents or even people that aren't parents that can sympathize with where we are especially in teaching in minority communities and the things that we can do to make things better and the action plans and I, I challenge parents to create stuff in the community for your kids and 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 we got to work with our teachers and not against our teachers and when our teachers are telling us something we got to listen and we got to understand that the sierras and the steves in the world are all about your kid reaching the next level and doing the best that they can and it's all about empowerment in the community and being able to train our kids to go to the next level and we got to work with them and and yeah, y'all wanna y'all have any closing thoughts y'all wanna girl I'm available at any time. What's up? <laughs> yeah, um I have the I do tutoring a little later. Um like I said, I do have a seven-year-old and a one-year-old plus all of my teachers, so uh we can definitely work out something for my parents who need that weekend tutoring. Uh just uh, on my Facebook, I I, did, I can't see the chat because, like I said, I'm on my computer, and my son on my phone. But um, if you just hit me up on my Facebook page, um, just message me. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll work with you. I work around my schedule and uh, fit you in at least thirty minutes to an hour. And I appreciate you all for coming on. I appreciate uh, everybody that's been in the comments. I appreciate you all. Um, if you're listening to this via spotify or or apple or any of the other platforms uh i definitely appreciate the support we've been getting a lot of different countries viewing the podcast there's been a lot of a lot of views on soundcloud as well so i definitely appreciate uh everyone's help in growing the movement and um yeah thanks a lot thank you for tuning in to this episode of plugged in Live videos of the podcast are broadcasted on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash pluggedinpodcastrk. Audio form of the podcast is available on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash pluggedinpodcastrk.